Welcome to Compare to Who, the podcast to help you stop comparing and start living. I'm your host, Heather Creekmore. I hate to admit this, but I used to secretly obsess over my appearance. I thought it was part of my job as a woman to always look better, but never felt like I could be good enough. Maybe you can relate. God, in His grace, showed me a way out, and I want to give you all the tools you need to break free too. If you've ever spent too much time stressing over your looks, I get it. I hope you'll keep listening and find the same freedom I have. Here are three other things you should know about me. I'm a minivan driving mom of four. I'm author of the book Compared to Who and the forthcoming book The Burden of Better. I'm a blogger at comparedtowho.me and you just may have seen my epic big fail on Netflix. If you've ever struggled with comparison or body image issues, Compared to Who is the show for you. I hope you enjoy today's episode and hey, tell a friend about it. Hey there, welcome to the Compared to podcast and videocast. I'm Heather Creekmore, and I am so glad that you are watching or listening today. I'm trying not to say I'm excited because I realized I say I'm really excited uh, way too often, so I'm trying not to say that I am just enthralled. Is that, is that a good, is that a good word? I, need to look I like up. that word. I, I like think that. that's a fun word. I, I'm enthralled. That's like an SAT kind of word. <laughs> so if you don't know what that means, look it up later and tell me if I'm using it wrong, but I am enthralled to have my friend Michelle Niedert on the Compared to show today. Let me tell you just a little bit about Michelle before we get started. Michelle is a professional counselor. She's been in that profession for like 20 years or more, maybe. Uh, she's the director of Community Counseling Associates, a counseling clinic in Dallas. She's written for various women's publications. Maybe you've seen her in Crosswalk. And she has a brand new book we're going to talk about it today. It's called Loved and Cherished. It's for tween girls, and you're going to learn all about it through today's podcast. And she has her own podcast. It's called Raising Brave Beauties. So that sounds like something we need to talk about too. So Michelle, thank you so much for being on the Compared to Who podcast today. Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. And I so miss seeing your face since you left our Dallas area for Austin, although that's not that far a drive, but it's great to be with you. Well, it's fun to hang out with you again. And what I would love to start with, because this is the Compared to Who show, and we talk a lot about body image issues and comparison. And I feel like it's important for those watching and listening to understand that every woman struggles with these issues. And so I like to put my guests on the spot, just like, you know, right at the beginning, just before they're warmed up and, and just throw it out there. So Michelle, have you ever struggled with body image or comparison? Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, that has been a huge issue for me and it's not worked out the way I wanted it to um, recently because I honestly probably never thought much about that until I had kids. I had a lot of trouble getting pregnant, had fertility treatment and was the, and I'm an eating disorder specialist. So it was the first time, like we talk in BMI terms. Mm -hmm. It was the first time in my life I had reached over my BMI in weight other than like i had a little bit of a traumatic church split when i was on staff as a women's minister and during that time i gained like 10 pounds did weight watchers because like eating disorder specialists love that program and doctors love that program and lost like 10 pounds and thought i was a champion of all champions <laughs> i never knew what it was like to like really have a lot of weight to lose and then I remember coming out of the hospital in the elevator. They have mirrored elevators, which I think is mean in a hospital at Baylor, <laughs> Dallas. And 
I, when I was rolling out, it was the first time I'd seen my body since mm -hmm. I'd had the baby and it didn't look that different. I just thought literally this baby was going to come out of me and I, my body was going to look like it did before I had a baby. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I remember being in shock. I think I really experienced almost like mild PTSD thinking, oh, it's not going to go back like now because I had friends who literally were, I was almost 37 when I had my first child who were a lot younger and they looked like they barely had a baby and then they popped a baby out and okay. that was it. And that just wasn't how it worked for me. And I really struggled to get the weight off before the second baby. And I only got down to like fertility treatment weight. Mm -hmm. And then I had the second baby and then it got really hard. I was over 40, just had a baby and really finally found something that really worked. And a lot of the work I did was with a weight loss coach on even like grieving the loss of just the anger at myself. I just mm -hmm. was mad at myself because I couldn't seem to fix this. And I learned through that to make myself my third child and take care of myself the way I would take care of my own children, because mm -hmm. that's what it really changed in my life. I had really become, I mean, I guess I'm a great mom, but I was so enthralled with being a mom that I just had put my health on hold basically. Yeah. yeah. And I think a lot of women experience that. I think that there's a lot of messages not to do it, but it's hard when you're not sleeping at night and your hormones are messed up. You're not like, let me get up early in the morning and work out. And I had a husband who traveled. I couldn't even leave the baby in the house to mm -hmm. go work out or anything. There was nobody home to do that. So I finally kind of got that figured out. And then I had a torn rotator cuff, major mm -hmm. surgeries. People sent me cookies. I ate tons of them. And then behind that, um, I once again did all this work kind of back in the fertility weight range, only like 15 pounds left to go to be back in my BMI and major hip replacement surgery this mm. January wow. and back on track this spring. And then I had a huge gastric issue and my doctor's like, go off any program, just eat anything your body will tolerate, you know? So it is body image issues are real. And especially when you're launching a book, you feel mm. like, Oh, I want to show up well on TV and videos and things like that. And I'm just a little fluffy and I'm going to have to live with it. <laughs> but I talk to women about that. You don't make yourself better and you don't heal your body by hating it. Mm. And I deal with that from girls as young. I've got one right now. He's 11 all the way up to in their fifties and yeah. they're dealing with this. Yeah. Issue. Well, let's, let's kind of transition and talk about our kids. Okay? okay. So I know you do a lot of work with kids mm -hmm. and it's one thing, like we talk on the show a lot about how to deal with comparison as adults. But it's hard when you're not the person like in the middle of the struggle. So how do we help our kids when, when our child comes home and it's kind of like everyone's skinnier than I am or everyone has better clothes than I do or, or whatever the, the complaint may be. How do we help our kids in those scenarios? Yeah, you know, this is a, this is a tough issue to talk about, but I think it's really important. And I think we start young. So I've been working as a child and family therapist for over 20 years with kids as young as like four or five, all the way through to, you know, ready to launch. And then also been a middle school counselor and a high school crisis counselor. So this is a very real issue. And I, I specialize in eating disorders for the last 20 years. I worked on a unit um, years ago. And so what we want to start with our, with our young kids, we want to teach them identity identity based on God's creation, not based on our appearance, because that's one of the lies that the world believes. We also want to teach them um, individuality and the importance of that as well. So I'd say identity, individuality, even individuality in the family structure, very young, 
my kids would say, well, so-and-so is going to do blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, but we're not the Smiths. We're the Neaters. The Neaters uh -huh. don't do that. You know, I think sleepovers was the first big issue. We do sleepovers, but we didn't do them as young as some families chose to do those. And we have like really strict rules with our sleepovers. Like I have to know those parents very well. And um, there can't be older, lots older brothers in the house. There's just like a bunch of with my girl. My son's not had a sleepover yet other than his cousin's house. But, um, you know, there's, there's just some things with that, that are important that we teach our kids and that God followers don't always make the same choices that other people are going to make. And that's something you start teaching your kids really young. Then when it comes to this issue, I talk to kids a lot about staying in your own lane. Hmm. God did not make you to do the same thing that he made anyone else to do in this world. There's only one Michelle Nieder. There's only one Heather Creekmore. And when you get out of your lane, you lose your focus of the prize mm -hmm. that is for you. And your prize doesn't look like other people's prize. And you know what you kind of have to deal with there? Yes, it's not fair. Some of us are made smarter. Some of us are made what the world considers more attractive, but God has a purpose for all of us. And our goal in life with our kids is to help them discover that purpose and live it out. And I have to work with parents sometimes on this. And it's not the purpose we think they should have. It's the purpose that God designed them for. I have, a, both of my children are not nearly ambi as ambitious and competitive as I am. Hmm. And so that is very different. In fact, one of my mom friends teases me, I have a 13 year old daughter and she's like, sometimes I think her self-esteem is almost too high. Like she really doesn't care about what others think. And I, uh -huh. I kind of laughed because that is very true. And I think that is very beneficial. You know, I'm seeing that change a little bit as we're moving into the second year of middle school. But um, I think, Heather, it's super important that we equip our kids to run in their own lane. And that's even the sibling rivalry issue mm -hmm. of running in your own lane. Yeah. You're, we're not going to give you the same things. You're not going to have exactly the same anything that anybody else has because you have a different purpose. Hey there. How much is freedom worth to you? That's kind of an odd question, right? When I was in the midst of my struggle with disordered eating and body image, I would have paid anything I had to be free. Truth is, I spent a lot of my budget on things I thought could help me be free, like new diets, exercise gizmos, clothing, but none of those things really helped. I'm so grateful that God showed me the way out. And now I'm passionate about helping others find their way out too. I want them to know that Jesus already paid it all. They don't have to spend another cent to find the freedom they really desire. But truth is, it does cost me something to get this message out compared to who can't spread the message of Jesus' offer of freedom without the help of women like you. Would you consider making a contribution? Check out Compared to Who's Patreon page at patreon.com slash compared to who. Then prayerfully consider giving $1 or $5 a month, whatever you can to help. Any amount you'd be willing to donate would be a huge blessing and will go directly towards covering the operating expenses of this ministry. Thank you for being a part of seeing other women set free from the chains of body image and comparison. May God bless your generosity. Yeah. So how, as a, as a mom, as a parent, how do you, how do you kind of help them navigate which lane is theirs? Because I think the natural tendency for a lot of kids is, well, she's doing that. So I should probably try that too. <laughs> you know, I'm good with you might try that, but mm -hmm. do you love it? 
Mm. It doesn't, does it light your world on fire? And, mm. and I had a daughter who tried, oh my goodness. We have done, I mean, we were on the news for ice skating. Uh-huh. We have done equestrian horseback riding. I think she started in dance. Um, she did soccer tots, but we hit theater and nothing else mattered. Uh-huh. And it's her love. It's her passion. It's her gifting. She's now leading worship in the middle school age range with her peers And it is very obvious, something that God designed for her to do. My son is very different. He is not a big fan of humans in general. He prefers less of them. He's very much like his father. And he, but he can code things and and create things in these worlds of Minecraft and places like that, that Mm -hmm. kids twice his age can, you know, almost adult age could do. And and that's his gifting. And so Mm -hmm. I think, and he loves it. It's his lane. He's so happy in it. And so I, I don't encourage my son to have 20 friends and I don't try to pare my daughter's world down too much. They were made very differently and they have different purposes. And we do the same things with kids in the counseling center. We really try to help them explore. The first stage is exploration, you know, so that's an important developmental step. And then we move on from that to um, finding things we're passionate about, but also some flexibility with that. Passions, it's really hard. We're in a culture where we expect kids to be professionals at their passions. Mm -hmm. And so they burn out. And mm-hmm. I have parents who are just grief stricken. They've got a sophomore in college who wants to quit whatever sport that's got them a full ride because they're tired of playing professionally for the school and they've been doing mm-hmm. it their whole life. And so mm-hmm. I love the research that says kids should take two months off from anything. And my daughter has to do it. She'd be in a musical every single month of her life if she could, but we don't do that. Mm-hmm. And um, right now we're taking a lot of times off from yeah. soccer because it's, yeah. It's not a good idea to play it right now in Texas. So yeah. Yeah, that's that's really good. So, so your advice is take two months off, like two months off every year from everything? Yeah, I think I think there's a and, and the coaches don't like that idea, but I think there's a high burnout rate. It may be your holiday season. A lot of times we'll do it during Thanksgiving and Christmas. Okay. And kind of like, you know, mid November to mid January is a really great time. Mm-hmm. Like th- my daughter always wants to do elf, and I did elf once and I told her. The next time you do something like that, you're driving. No, that just destroyed my holiday season. You know, it was, it was not about Jesus. It was getting you to elf. And, and so those things happen. And so I think we just need a balanced perspective. Sometimes we have to tell our kids, no, that gets back to those boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to make sure I'm on the table as well as them. That's hard for them sometimes. My daughter's like, mm-hmm. why can't I do this? And I'm like, because your brother's doing this and your father's doing this and, and I'm doing this and where's the space for that in our mm-hmm. life? And she's like, well, somebody needs to give something up. And that's not always the case, you know? So sometimes it, it has to be you who doesn't get to do something and it's yeah. hard, but it's an important part of this process. I think when we come to this issue of body image, we've got to be, and I just want to speak directly to this really careful with our kids and social media. Mm-hmm. They, we need to know if they have a good sense of identity before they get out there and they understand their purpose in social media is to create connection and positivity and not get trapped in a lot of the things that social media can bring with it, with it which is a lot of comparison. It, I think we, as women, struggle with it too. We see what other moms are doing. We see what other women are doing, um, other families are doing, and we become interested in thinking, or maybe, you know, I, I always remember, this is somebody's highlight wheel, mm-hmm. real. This is not every day of their life. You know, this is the day I put on hair and makeup. This is the <laughs> day, you know, I may have fought with my husband last week and this is our anniversary and we're uh-huh. getting flowers. 
hours, you know, so just, you don't want to get trapped into that spot. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of go into in my, in my new book, the burden of better, I kind of talk about how that is, that's a Stephen Furtick quote, I think, but like, don't compare your behind the scenes to someone else's highlight reel and how like, that's good advice, right? Like we need to know that, but like, it's like, I think we also have to go deeper. Like what's underneath that? Like, because that just tells us not to compare our bad days to their good days. It's like, what if our bad days are really worse than their bad days? So I love that you went there. Cause that's, that's kind of one of my favorite things to talk about. And you can read it in my book. If you're listening or watching, you can read all about how I feel kind of go under the surface of all that because, you know, because in reality, like your kid might be struggling with rebellion and my kid's struggling with going over on their screen time every day or <laughs> something like that. There so. are definitely differences and, and, and that's where we don't want to compare. Mm-hmm, and it's, let me normalize it. It's natural to, you see something else and you think about that in terms of something that's different. That I think is very natural. I think what what is not healthy is if it deflates you or elevates you too much. Yep. Because either one of those are bad places to be. Either I feel like, you know, crawling on the, my belly like a worm because I feel like I'm just worthless because of something going on in our life. Or it can also stem pride. Well, look at my numbers. They're better look than hers or whatever it is that we're doing or you know, at least I'm not a size blank. That's, that's just not helpful. And that's not loving. So I think that's the other standard is, is, are are those thoughts healthy for you? And are they productive? And are they loving? We're going to have them. We can decide whether or not we're going to dwell on them. Absolutely. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. We get to choose what we do with those thoughts. Okay. So, so let's say the comparison has taken steps beyond what is normal. Let's say you've got a daughter or a son, because I know eating disorders are on the rise among boys. They are. Let's say I've got a kid that's skipping meals or starting to show signs of disordered eating. First of all, what do I look for? And then what are my first steps? What do I do? Well, the first thing I want to say is kids' appetites normally ebb and flow. So I really want to normalize that. And especially, you know, you have picky eaters, everything else. I mean, there, I have a 10 and a 13 year old. So I'm right in the middle of child development, you know, one-on-one. And there are times where they, they have over eight as I have thought about it in my head. And there are times they have under eight because their bodies were growing, catching up, growing, catching up. It's normal for girls to look round and then kind of shoot up. In fact, all kids do that. They kind of go round, then they shoot up a little, and then they go round and then they shoot up. So we don't want to be too worried about that. Mm. And that's where I really think, as far as that goes, we don't want to become the food police or the meal police. Mm-hmm. But what we do want to do is we want to model, first of all, for our kids, a balanced diet. And I have struggled with, I'll be honest, I think a true sugar addiction, like even last night, I kind of craved to some chocolate covered dibs. Mm. (laughs) My daughters had them in the house and they're like my favorite Mm. childhood thing was a Nestle Crunch ice cream bar. Mm. And there's like a whole bowl full of those, like, and it's not messy. It couldn't get any better than that. (laughs) So, um, I've been really honest about that, that sometimes you have to tell yourself no, Mm but not to food in general. Like there would be nothing wrong with me getting an apple under out of the fridge. You know, I'm a big fan of when my kids say, can I have a snack? And I say anything out of the fridge, you're welcome to, 
Mm-hmm. You know, because I know in there there's less processed foods. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's more if you truly see your child's size not being in a healthy size, you don't even make that decision. Mm-hmm. I don't think. I, I, at the counseling center, when we're asked that, I say that's where your pediatrician comes in. Mm-hmm. That's where the medical doc- doctor comes in. Because really and truly, weight is a medical issue. It definitely has psychological components. Don't get me wrong, you know, and I just talked about some of those, but weight is a medical issue. So if your medical doctor says they are in a healthy BMI, you leave your child alone. It's really important because there are control dynamics to eating disorders in the family system that make eating disorders worse. Mm -hmm. So we want to be really, really careful with that. And we really, we want to model good habits. We want to teach good habits. But let me tell you this. I don't monitor what my 13-year-old eats Mm -hmm. at all as far as like commenting on it. Mm -hmm. Now, am I, do I pay a little of attention to it? Yes. If I saw her skipping multiple meals a day and, but let me normalize this too. She was a size larger two years ago than she is now. And that's very natural Mm -hmm. for a girl to go through a stage like that. Now, if she kept, keeps shrinking, beyond that, she's been building muscle. She's interested in exercising for the first time in her life, but she's not over exercising. Mm -hmm. And I, and she ate the chocolate dibs. I'm not too concerned. And she's in a healthy BMI. I can, as the eating disorder specialist, I can tell by looking at her, you Mm -hmm. know what? And, and there are other indications that kids are restricting just so you guys know the hair will thin, um, the face will grow kind of gaunt and like sunken looking. I can usually tell, but I've been doing this so long. I could, tell by looking at the body shape, mm-hmm. if there's been true restriction, the head will look bigger than the rest mm-hmm. of the body mm-hmm. in a way that I can see very, very clearly. I think we actually, though, we don't talk a lot about this. We have another eating disorder running rampant in our country, and that's a binge eating disorder. And we have, like the majority of our kids in this country are overweight. I, mm-hmm. I believe it's over 50% now. Mm-hmm. And so that's another side of things that a lot of us eat our feelings and, mm-hmm. and COVID's not good for this. I'm just going to be honest. COVID stunk for this, for me. Yeah, yeah. It is, you know, like it is so easy to feel that restless anxiety and want to mm-hmm. medicate it with some sugar or some alcohol and alcohol really adds to weight in women, mm-hmm. uh, especially because we're not allowed, but one serving of that. So mm-hmm. that, that really limits, you know, what that is like in a health range. So that's where I would say, if your pediatrician isn't concerned, please don't discuss that with your kids. You can discuss healthy choices. Um, you can discuss, you know, enough fruits and vegetables a day. Um, sometimes with my son who likes colorless foods, I guess is how I would say it. I don't know how to explain the that. white likes foods. <laughs> Macaroni, pasta. You know, I say to him, I need you to grow your muscles. So you have to eat some protein. And then he'll bring out things. I'm like, that's not protein. That's not a protein. Okay. Let's <laughs> review the food groups and what is a protein, you know? And so I think those are great conversations to have with our kids. And, but I think even better is to catch them doing something great. I love what's on your plate today. That looks like a great balanced meal. Yeah, that's good. So when, when do I get worried? When your pediatrician is concerned. Okay. If you are concerned, you take your child for a checkup. You do not. And if your pediatrician isn't concerned, so that's when we start looking. We do, we're, yes, they can be developing some bad habits, but they may walk themselves back out of those. Mm-hmm. You know, I, let me say 
this too, though. There's a couple other, let me make some. If you, if you find vomit, I'm just going to be really gross here, but if you want, if you find vomit on your toilets, you need to be concerned unless you're mm -hmm. pregnant or you're, you got a virus running in your home. Because <laughs> there are, there are girls that are younger who, especially, and some boys, I, I've had mm -hmm. a couple boys who will consume a large amount of food at night and then throw it up. So mm -hmm. absolutely, if your child is purging their food, if you see laxatives or anything like that in your child's stuff, that's definitely a concern. If you see your child overeating a meal or something like that, I think a better way to handle that is to say, hey, are you bored? Do you want to go do something? Mm -hmm. You know, distraction is a great way because a lot of times we eat when we're restless or we're bored or mm -hmm. something like that. And let me say this, the reason I think your pediatrician is so important is because there are some people, and there's research on this, their full filter is broken. Mm -hmm. It doesn't go off when their body is full. And you will see that sometimes, especially with like, I noticed that you've had special needs on before, autism, things like that. You'll mm -hmm. see that trigger come. And so um, there, there are certain things that your pediatrician can let you know that, that with this disorder that your child has, no different than if they had um, spina bifida or something like that, there may be some issues with that. That's good to know. Are you tired of comparing yourself to others? It's time to break free, my friend. Check out compare2who.me online and you'll find a ton of great resources, blog posts, videos, and so much more to help you stop comparing and start living. And make sure you sign up for my exclusive email list while you're there. I send my email friends things I don't send anyone else. You can also find out more about my brand new book, The Burden of Better, How a Comparison-Free Life Leads to Joy, Peace, and Rest. If you're tired of battling comparison, friend, I wrote this book just for you. Check it out right after this episode, of course. So what about- Yeah, but I don't think you bring it up with your child until your doctor's concerned. Because if you do that- you can make your child very self-conscious and also just if worse, they can go into hiding more with it yeah. and you don't want that. Yeah, that's good. I mean, I know, I know well those control issues. <laughs> so I, I get that. And, and I am a former, so I, I get that as well. So what about binge eating disorder though? Like, so when you see your kid, you know, polishing off the entire package of Oreos. Yeah. I, I, so I think it's fine to limit. I have okay. limits. Like, you can only have two things out of the pantry a day. Okay. And then if you see them sneaking more or eating more, then you just want to talk to them about how, was it hard for you to stop? You know, mm -hmm. what's going on there? Can you stop yourself? That type of thing. And then to explain, I mean, sugar is addictive. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, it's, I mean, they, sh they compare it, a PET scan of sugar consumption to cocaine in a PET scan and you can see the same parts of the brain light up. Mm -hmm. So there is an, and we're, a, we're a sugar. I mean, what do we do for kids' birthdays and every holiday and everything else? It's tough. Sugar I want to feel about this. It is tough. And in, in our household, like with some things we tend to put that I spend more money on individual size bags because I'm teaching my kids portions. Mm -hmm. I so want to buy the Cheetos in the big bulk because it's so much cheaper, uh -huh. but I know that's not like, I don't have time to sit there and count out the balls yeah. and do a serving, but teaching your kids some of those things. Like sometimes my child will ask me how many cookies can I have? And I'll say, go look on the package and see what a serving is. And that's how uh -huh. many cookies you can have. So you're teaching your child that idea of this is a serving for you. 
I ask my child very often when they say, can I have ice cream at night? I'm like, have you had any other sugar today? Mm -hmm. Oh, you had a milkshake. I remember that at lunch. So that's, you know, I mean, that's all the sugar for today. Yeah. So, yeah. That's yeah good. We kind of try to limit that and stuff. So yes. yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. We did that too. Wait a second. What about that? <laughs> what about that? Uh, they have sugar bar. amnesia is what I call it. It's sugar uh -huh. amnesia. I have it too. Every once in a while I'll be like, oh yeah, I already had something. Mm. So yeah. I, I, well, hey, as we wrap up, I want to talk about your book before yeah. we run out of time. So tell me about this new book, Loved and Cherished. It's for tweens. Tell me the subtitle. I'm horrible with subtitles. It's <laughs> for girls and it's a gift book. It's okay. super pretty. Um, maybe you do not have a child who is seven into 13-ish, but maybe you have, um, see, it's like really pretty. Like the inside is pretty. It's got a ribbon, the whole bit. So um, it was, and here's why we wrote it. I co-authored with uh, Lynn Cowell, who's one of the Proverbs 31 speakers and writers. And we are super committed to the thing we just talked about, that identity piece of helping girls know who God made them to be and who they are before they really, because let, let me tell you what the Harvard research says. 10-year-old girls like themselves. Mm. They like themselves. They're confident. Mm -hmm. the middle school hormones kick in, and those same girls are as hard on their, they don't like their bodies. They don't like their appearance. They think they're dumb. They don't think they're good enough. So we're trying to instill more of God's word and more God confidence in them so that they can fight that battle in the middle school hallways mm -hmm. and on social media. That's when they get it better. Yeah. Well, I love that. But it's awesome. just a great, great tool for even a mother to do with their daughter. In fact, I had a mom who is a friend of mine and she said, Oh, this one on dreams, I need to keep dreaming. Like COVID's yeah. kind of shut down my dreaming, mm. you know? So, and yeah. I said, we may have to revamp our dreams a little right now. Mm. That's true. Yeah. yeah, that's good. So it's, it's, it's daily devotionals. Michelle, how's it set up? Well, okay. So I have a 13 year old and she would say it's not daily devotionals okay. because we don't want girls to feel guilty if they skip a day. It's I called love day one, day two. We did not date it with any dates Okay. because if a girl, cause girls at this age are getting used to spending time alone with God Yeah. and they may do that like three or four days a week. And we don't want there to be any guilt with that. So it awesome. is a hundred mini chapters. They're like, they're like literally this big, about a page to a page and a half, because the research says that's about the attention span. Uh -huh. Most of them you'll see have a journaling. So it's got a scripture, some teaching from either Lynn and I, from either like a biblical or mental health perspective, that's still going to be biblical. It's not going to contradict that. Sure. A journaling spot and then a prayer. And that's awesome. it every day. Very short, sweet, simple, because we want these girls to develop the habit of connecting with God. I love that. It's called Loved and Cherished. And so by the time you're listening to this, it will be everywhere you order books. You can get it right away, probably. The, I love that. It's for tween girls. I think that's, that's awesome, Michelle. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. It's been great to talk to you. I am excited to see what questions might pop up as I post this because yeah. I have feeling that I will you know, I will try to get on there and try to answer those questions as well. I that'd know be awesome. that this is a tough subject for mothers and daughters yeah. especially but even parents in general with our kids to to stay in the health zone the other thing is stay in the health zone and stay yeah. out of the appearance zone is the yeah. other thing i would say approach it from nutrition approach food as a nutrition it's a fuel for your body 
um, and stay away from, you know, oh, you know, do you think your belly's getting too round? We just want to stay away from, oh, you look really good right now. Because then what if they gain a little weight? Do they mm -hmm. not look as good? You know, we, we just want to say, I love the fact that you're being healthy and you look healthy. I love that. That's really good. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today, Michelle. And thank you for watching or listening today. I hope something in today's episode has helped you stop comparing and start living. I'll catch you in the next episode. Bye-bye. Hey friend, would you check out the date on that episode you just listened to? Yeah, it's been a minute. Listening to old podcasts is almost like reading my diary from several years ago. In some cases, it's even a little embarrassing. So instead of listening straight through season by season, can I encourage you to skip ahead? I release brand new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. And if you're not sure where to start, you can go to improvebodyimage.com, find the Start Here button, and I've got several episodes listed and categorized so you can find the topics that are of most interest to you. Your time is valuable, so skip straight to the good stuff. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for letting me be a part of your body image and food freedom journey. What do you do when the world around you is falling apart? It's amazing to me how many people are breathing air. They're going about their business and doing the things you're supposed to do. But if you really ask them, they know that on the inside, they are spiritually and emotionally and relationally dead. If we're not careful, all of us can experience that death. When what we need to do, even as the world around us is falling apart, we need to learn how to march when it would be easier to stay where we are and die. Join me each week on the March or Die show as we discuss that and so much more.